Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For the fans in the Midwest, but heard coast to coast. The ones that bleed red and yellow. This is the Another Screenplay Chiefs Podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Another Screenplay Chiefs podcast. I am your host as always, Travis Steffen, and today we will be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs going into Los Angeles to defeat their first divisional opponent in the Chargers. The last time that the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Chargers was in 2013 when Alex Smith was not playing. So we kept the streak going, we kept the streak uh, actually building on a streak of 12 consecutive divisional wins, which is very impressive. Um, but I came out of this game very concerned. And I don't I don't think it's a huge like setback or anything to be too concerned about, depending on how the Chiefs come out next week. I think that the defense overall played a really good game against a pretty good offense. But our offense seemed to really struggle in this game. And the overall... Um, image of this game just reminded me too much of the 2016 Kansas City Chiefs and when I say that I mean in the sense that the defense had to hold an opponent to not score in the second half and the offense relied way too much on the defense to not allow the opponent to score and the offense could not get hardly anything going at all and a lot of that had to do with the play calling from Andy Reid uh, this is not a show where I'm going to be bashing Alex Smith, and I think that Alex Smith had a decent game. I think that he had a couple off-target throws, but overall, especially with the pressure that he was getting, I think that he had a pretty decent game, and we cannot blame Alex Smith for the play calling that was going on, and a lot of what really drove me nuts was the play calling is that conservative Andy Reid that we were used to seeing all last year. And they also had really no answer for a good pass rush team, kind of like they against the Eagles. And with the Eagles, it's a little different because you have an elite front seven with the Eagles. And you talk about the Chargers, you really just have Bosa and Ingram that are your real kind of main focal points of that defense and your scariest, probably, uh, defenders. So... I was really concerned to see a uh, second week of the offensive line really struggling uh, against a good pass rush. And uh, it's something that we're going to have to see time and time again because we have more opponents coming at us, not only in our division that is stacked with pass rushers, but you have the second hardest schedule in the league. And so you're going to have more teams that have good pass rushers. And one of them is coming next week in the Redskins who were able to take advantage of the Oakland Raiders, who have one of the best offensive lines in the league, yet 
the defensive line for the Redskins was able to just shove the offensive line back into Derek Carr and get pressure on Derek Carr all night long. So that's definitely a a concern for me going forward. And I would like to see something change. And I know that uh, Mitch Morse is out and uh, Fulton stepping in at center, which is not a big concern to me. I think Fulton is a pretty decent center, and especially just for a few weeks. Uh, you have Witzman still filling in for Parker Einger at left guard. Um, that's definitely something that I am kind of hoping changes soon. Uh, I, I have not heard on how close we are to seeing Parker Einger come in and play left guard after his uh, season-ending in- injury last year. But overall, I think that probably the person that had the biggest struggle on that O-line was right tackle in Schwartz. And Schwartz is one of the best right tackles in the league and often talked about being the best right tackle in the league, yet the last two weeks he has significantly struggled. And the Chiefs even had double teams going against Ingram and Bosa when lined up on that side, yet we saw plenty of bad communication. Uh, We saw... Uh, Ingram especially just go right past Schwartz and Kelsey multiple times. It wasn't just a one-time thing. And I'll go back and watch tomorrow on Tuesday as I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. But that was probably the biggest problem on the offensive line. And even when they were only sending four guys, Alex Smith was under pressure almost immediately a lot of the day. And so... I'm not too concerned with Alex Smith. He still made a couple bad throws. He still uh, let his eyes come down way too early. He he kind of struggles to keep his eyes downfield when under pressure and having to step up in the pocket. And there was, I know, at least one play where he took a sack, and he took five sacks on the day. But there was one play that he took a sack, and Kareem Hunt was going straight over the middle where he could have got a check down and some yards after the play. But instead, he took the sack, and it's still a concerning factor for me. But the play calling did not help Alex Smith. And Andy Reid even mentioned this in his post-game press conference, that he could have helped Alex Smith a little better with the play calling, and he took the blame for that. But the thing is, if you ever watched a 2016 press conference in the post-game for Andy Reid, you heard him take the blame for the play calling. Yet he would do the same exact thing and being very conservative the following week and the offense would still struggle. So it's very concerning for me. Uh, This is what I've been talking about in the sense that I need to see consistency in the offense for me to believe. And this was definitely one of those games that I was talking about that the Chiefs went back to kind of their 2016 self uh, Andy Reid did a lot of screen plays. Um, it really struggled whenever there was a lot of, especially offensive line penalties. And so you had a lot of second or third and longs. And I counted about five or six that were either second and 15 or third and 15 or longer where Andy Reid dialed up screen plays. And the one that really drove me nuts was... When it was second and 20, and Andy Reid called a screenplay to the right, 
and I'm pretty sure it was to Albert Wilson, and it was a two-yard gain. So then the very next play, third and 18, what do we do? We throw a screenplay to the other side, which does not pick up the first down. And I had someone on my article on over on Arrowhead Attic this morning comment on that and saying that the Chargers were stacking the first down marker with all but four of their guys. And that happened on maybe two of those. I think that only happened twice. So that still leaves three or four plays where it is third down and long, about 15 yards or more, and they threw a screenplay or a designed um, dump route or check down. And that's very concerning to me. It was a very conservative play calling in Andy Reid. And it was another uh, deal where when the offense was really struggling, Andy forgot about the run for most part. Um, until the last 10 minutes of the game, Kareem Hunt only had 10 carries. But he had 88 yards on those 10 carries. So you're one playmaker that is actually doing some real damage on the offense and something that San Diego failed to find a way to stop in the run game with Kareem Hunt yet we pretty much just didn't see a whole lot of it and I talked a lot about how I thought that you know I wanted you know I really wanted Spencer Ware because I wanted the one-two punch I, I didn't want to see Hunt be a uh you know just getting all the carries I don't I don't want to see him getting 20 to 25 carries a game and I I fear that he's going to get hurt or that he's going to slow down and get worn down and you know I've had a lot of people say you know argue with me on that that they're glad that Spencer Ware got hurt because we got to see what Kareem Hunt can do right away that he is the better back and but you have to look at it now if Kareem Hunt gets hurt who's going to replace him Kendrick West he hasn't hardly done a thing he had that one rushing touchdown in the very late of the game against the Patriots but other than that he's really struggled and outside of that we don't have CJ Spiller anymore we have Akeem Hunt who is still I'm sure learning the playbook so he hasn't really had an opportunity but those same people were arguing with me on Twitter when I was bringing up how he only had 10 carries and they needed to give him the ball we only had a seven-point lead for all the second half until the two-minute warning, and that was the only thing that was working. The Chargers could not stop Kareem Hunt, yet we were refusing to give him the ball. And so that 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 really kind of ticked me off, and all those same people were saying, you know, we don't want to risk him getting hurt. We don't want to wear him out. We need him to take it easy, blah, blah. Those are the same people that were arguing with me that he should be a bell cow, that he should get all the carries. You need to pick a side. I'm not saying that he should have had 20-some carries on the day, but 10 carries when your offense is severely struggling like that is absurd. It is terrible. And whenever the Chiefs were trying to run down the clock in the fourth quarter to win the game, and keep in mind, neither teams had scored in the second half until Kareem Hunt took it 69 yards to the house after the two-minute warning. So, Kareem Hunt ended the day with 17 carries, which is a good amount of carries. 
for 172 yards and a touchdown, averaging 10.1 yard average per rush. That's a first down every rush on average. 67 of those yards came after contact. And Kareem Hunt added seven more forced missed tackles, who is still leading the league with 21 altogether in the first three weeks. Kareem Hunt has been playing lights out in the first three weeks, even against really good defenses. And it really was frustrating to watch him not get more carries when he was the only thing that was working. Now, Tyreek Hill had five catches for 77 yards and a touchdown, including that 30-yard touchdown in the first drive after uh, the first interception. But he also had three carries for 13 rushing yards. But after Tyreek Hill, your next highest receiver was Albert Wilson with three for 18 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown came off the shovel pass. Okay? Travis Kelsey, non-factor. One catch for one yard on a screen play in the first quarter. Chris Conley, non-factor. Zero catches. He had one target that was a bad throw from Smith in the fourth quarter. So, I, do, I don't understand what was going on with the play calling. We, I, know that, I know that Alex Smith was under pressure all day. I know that there was no way he was going to be throwing deep bombs down the field. And that's not what I was asking. I'm saying that there's still things you could do to counter the rushes and the blitzes that San Diego was sending. Out routes. They worked in the, at the beginning of the game and the end when the Chiefs decided to do them. Slant routes across the middle. We hardly saw any of those. We saw Tyreek Hill burn someone on one and get a first down. But we didn't see a whole lot of them. There's more things you can do against the Blitz. But with the plays that were called, there was nothing. And that is my biggest concern. That is why I'm not jumping on this train that this is a Super Bowl team. I think that it can be. But I need to see the consistency. And we did not see that in Week 3 in Los Angeles. We saw the 2016 Kansas City offense relying way too heavily on the defense. And the defense had a really good game. Three interceptions in the first half. Two by Terrence Mitchell, one by Marcus Peters. And there was almost two more. It was a classic 2016 Kansas City Chiefs game. Which was very frustrating. Something we did not want to see and we have not seen this year. It, it, I really hope that when we when we host the Redskins on Monday Night Football next week, we can get back to that aggressive play calling. We can figure out something with the offensive line to give Smith a little more time because Smith went 16 for 21 with 155 yards and two touchdowns. That's bad. That's that's bad. And I like I said, I don't put that blame on him. I put that on Andy Reid's play calling. But. Going into a little bit better of a note, Kareem Hunt continues to break records. So, the Chiefs are 20th in rushing attempts over the whole league, 20th. Yet, they are first in rushing yards and touchdowns. That is insane. Hunt, in three games, 
has 47 carries for 401 yards with an 8.5 average. With the next closest person behind him is Dalvin Cook, rookie running back in Minnesota, who has 288 yards. That's a 113-yard difference at the next runner-up. Then you look at all-time rookies in their first three games of all-purpose yards at running back position. Kareem Hunt is number one with 538 yards, 56 touches, and six touchdowns. And the next closest candidate is Cadillac Williams, if you remember him, who has over 100 yards less than Kareem Hunt with 33 more touches and four less touchdowns than Hunt. If you want to look at 2017, all-purpose yards between all players, the number two person is Todd Gurley running back for the Rams with 381 yards all-purpose. Kareem Hunt leads him by 157 yards. Kareem Hunt is becoming a huge superstar in Kansas City, and the fans are loving it. I love it. I think that he is a very special back, and when we drafted him and I went back and watched his tape, I was excited right then and there. So, I am very excited to see what else Kareem Hunt can do. And we didn't really see him in the passing game uh, on Sunday, but he only had one catch for 11 yards. But he is definitely, by far so far, the biggest weapon we have on the offense. And that's no... That's no uh, Bad talk on Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. But once again, Travis Kelsey was a non-factor in this game. He was not really in the game plan, it seemed like. Tyreek Hill had a good game, 5 for 77. That is not a bad game whatsoever. But And it could have been a lot larger if uh, there was a pass deep down the sideline to Hill where he had his corner beat by a couple yards, but Alex Smith not only underthrew him, but threw it two to three yards out of bounds to where he could not get it. So that definitely could have been a bigger uh, stat sheet right there for Tyreek Hill, but still overall a pretty good game for him. And I definitely want to see what they do against the Washington Redskins on Monday Night Football. But switching it over to the defensive side, we saw a lot on this defense. And the first two drives were picked off. Terrence Mitchell picked off Phillip Rivers on the first drive. Marcus Peters on the second. Both capitalized in touchdowns. And then in the second quarter, Mitchell picked Phillip Rivers off again by jumping a route. And the Chiefs went down and scored three. Now, a lot of people were ticked off because we had three interceptions in the first half, yet only 17 points. You have to remember... The Chiefs only had four drives in the first half, and they scored on three of those. That is not a bad statistic. That's actually really good. So, really, my only bad part about the offense is in the second half. And going back over to the defensive side, I wrote an article on Arrowhead Addict, and obviously Bob Sutton did not read it because it was talking about how this was the time to start bringing the pressure. We have seen the the Chiefs drop eight into coverage against the Patriots and the Eagles, and then we saw it again against the Chargers. We have yet to see a full game of Justin Houston and D Ford being able to go against the go after the quarterback. And this was the perfect week to do it against an offensive line that 
is really struggling for San Diego, or not San Diego, God, that's still hard to get used to, Los Angeles. It's not a very good line, and Denver was severely able to disrupt it and get after Phillip Rivers almost every play. They were in his face, but we did not see that from the Chiefs. We saw them, again, dropping eight into coverage, especially Justin Houston, and Ford actually left the game with a hip injury early on, so that will definitely be something to keep an eye on, but for everyone that's been excited about Tano Passigno, he is not the guy that stepped in for D. Ford, even though he is D. Ford's backup. So... Frank Zombo is the guy who stepped in, and if D4 cannot come in to play against the Redskins, you're going to be looking at Justin Houston and D4 playing full game. You might see Tano Passigno in there for a couple snaps, but that's about it. And that's worrisome. The injuries are worrisome. Every game, we have had an injury. Against the Patriots, you had Eric Berry. And before the season started, we had to put Steven Nelson on IR. So that's two defensive backs not playing. Then you had against Philadelphia, Mitch Morse go out and is out for a few weeks. Now we have D. Ford go out. I have still yet to hear anything on that injury yet as I'm recording on Monday afternoon. But definitely something to keep an eye on there. But one thing to look forward to is... Terrence Mitchell had a better game this week, and I know he's struggled a little bit, but we have to understand something. Any corner that is opposite Marcus Peters is going to have some struggles and is going to give up some plays, even some bigger ones. Okay, Quarterbacks are not wanting to throw towards Marcus Peters. Now, the last two games, they've done it a little more because Bob Sutton, being his conservative since this last two weeks has been having Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters play way off his receivers, sometimes even 15 yards off, which is really frustrating, almost as, probably, probably around the same amount of frustration as Houston constantly dropping into coverage instead of doing what he does best and going after the quarterback. But Mitchell had a big game. He had the two picks, but he also had nine tackles leading the team and four pass deflections. He has done really well at the end of games, getting his hand in there and swatting away a ball on a big play. So we can tone it down on the Terrence Mitchell criticism. He, you, Once again, with Marcus Peters on the other side, you're going to get picked on quite a bit. And I think that ever since, especially... Marcus Peters has come to the Chiefs three years ago. I think that fans have gotten a little, uh, what's the word? They've gotten too comfortable with the amount of elite players that they have on this team and great talent that they have on this defense and automatically expect everybody to be elite. They hold everybody at that position to be Marcus Peters. And that's not fair. Okay? Marcus Peters is arguably the best corner in the game. And if you want to argue that he's not, he's at least top three. And if you don't think that, I don't know what to tell you. Because Marcus Peters has led or tied interceptions the last two years. 
and has been become been becoming a shutdown corner. And we especially saw it late last year where nobody wanted to throw to him. Tom Brady didn't want to throw to him. He threw it to hit the receiver that Peters was covering one time when we were in New England. So Bob Sutton needs to stop playing Marcus Peters so far off his receivers. And I know a little bit of that is allowing a little less to go towards Mitchell and Gaines, trying to cover that up a little bit. But allow him to shut down that side of the field so that you can give more help to the other side like we did against the Patriots. Marcus Peters, though, against the Chargers, was thrown at seven times, allowing three catches for 20 yards. He had one interception and one pass deflection. And Phillip Rivers' passer rating when throwing towards Marcus Peters was 10.7. So, overall, I think that... Marcus Peters obviously had a good game. He mouthed off to the refs, getting a big penalty, and penalties are still a huge problem. But, you know, I I definitely share some of the frustration that Marcus Peters has, Um, especially on a back-to-back play where you call Marcus Peters for pass interference, and then the very next play, he gets shoved in the back right in front of the ref. No call. And that was when Marcus Peters went over there and started mouthing off. And, you know, I know that this happens more to cornerbacks. I know this, guys. But it is getting ridiculous. Last week we saw Alshon Jeffrey constantly pushing off the cornerbacks and not getting called. And with a guy like Marcus Peters, we know that the refs are watching him closely. But all the more reason that they should be calling some of those offensive pass interferences. So, I definitely think that, you know, Marcus Peters is going to have to find a way to keep his cool. Just keep playing the game. But we can tone it down on the Terrence Mitchell trash talk or whatever you want to call it. Uh, You know, I talked about how, you know, it was a little concerning, but you know, in his first two games that he didn't look as bad as everyone was hanging him out to be. And at the end of every game, he has made big, big pass deflections or just big plays in general at the end of games to help win for the Chiefs. So uh, you also have Daniel Sorensen, who was second most in tackles at eight with uh, a help in the a help for a tackle for a loss in the backfield. Houston had six tackles with 1.5 tackles for a loss, two pass deflections by Justin Houston, and one sack. So overall, really good day for a defense holding the Chargers offense to 10 points, zero points in the second half. Very impressive with no Eric Berry, no Steven Nelson, and about half a game without D Ford. That's impressive. And that's without sending hardly any pressure at Phillip Rivers. So I have no complaints really when it comes to the defense at this point. Um, You know, especially this week against the Chargers. Um, But, you know, of course, if you guys disagree with me or want to discuss anything that we've talked about today, you can always find me on Twitter at StephanNFL. But... Right now, we're going to go into the questions and takeaways 
after the end of each game, I post on Twitter, you know, what are your questions and takeaways from the game? And a few, I got a few of you that I took notes down and wanted to answer some of those. Um, McScotty Mac at 1975 Chiefs fan had a had a few of them uh, that I'm going to try and answer. Uh, his first one: Did we see no Kelsey as punish, punishment for last week? This is something I go back and forth on. Uh, obviously, Kelsey was not really put into the game plan and I know that he was helping blocking even though he completely missed Ingram multiple times and it still did not help but we did not see anything designed to help open him up or even a pass towards him other than that screenplay so part of me wants to definitely say yes um but at the same time I just I don't know I, it, it's really hard for me to imagine Andy Reid hurting the rest of the team. Now, we'll never know the real answer to this because they're not going to come out and say it, but I think a little bit, maybe yes, but it really hurt this offense if that was the case. Um, second one was something that worries you is our corners and no rush. No pass rush. Cornerbacks I talked about a little bit a few minutes ago, and I'm not as concerned. Um, I think they played a really good game this week. Uh, I think Phillip Rivers had around 250 yards total, and some of those came off, you know, a couple big pass plays deep down the field. So I'm not as worried on the cornerback situation as a lot of people are. Uh, with the pass rush, I think that is all Bob Sutton. Uh, of course, D4 being out is a little bit of a worry. Uh, I sure wish they had Tambaha Lee right now to come in and step up to split with Frank Zombo. Um, I wrote an article before I got on to Arrowhead Addict about Tambaha Lee. And yes, he's taken a step back, but he was very, um, very much so still a really good pass rusher last year uh he tied for third or fourth uh in qb pressures from that side uh from the right side in the nfl and that came on what 50 percent of the snaps last year so yes he's lost the step a little bit and he is getting old but i still think that he has some in the tank and can still be a big factor in this defense especially a guy to throw in there for a few plays while d ford or justin houston take a break um so that's definitely uh i guess not too much of a worry uh i definitely would like to see more uh sending justin houston and d ford after the quarterback and seeing some more uh, Daniel Sorensen blitzes and stuff like that, but you know that's it's all on Bob Sutton really. Um, the next one is penalties. Yes, the Chiefs had 13 penalties for 122 yards, and that is very concerning because before this game they had something like 20 penalties combined in the last two games. This is becoming a huge issue, and Andy Reid needs to find a way to take care of it. This is a coaching problem. The coaches have to get on the players about this and have to go into the locker room and fix it. 
okay? A lot of holding penalties, uh, a lot of pass interference penalties, you name it, it's probably been called. And it's a problem. It definitely is something that is concerning me at this point. And it's really surprising to me that the Chiefs are 3-0 and after playing in New England on Banner Night, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, and then going to Los Angeles, a divisional rival, and still coming out 3-0 and with the amount of penalties we've seen. That is something that is very concerning to me. This has to stop. Uh, Brad Wingo at Chiefs Ball Fan 20. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, said Wilson, Dirty Dan, Peters, and Mitchell equal fire emoji. Albert Wilson's probably the only one that I wasn't as high on that, I guess. Um, he had that, you know, good play that they did the shovel pass to him for the touchdown. But other than that, he had three for 18 yards and a touchdown today. Uh, wasn't really a huge factor. Um, now, if if they can keep utilizing him this way, then yeah, I'll definitely be a lot happier. Uh, he's done a little better this year so far. Uh, knock on wood, but I'm still not sold on him. Dirty Dan Peters and Mitchell definitely, uh, were on fire today. I definitely agree with that. Uh, Curtis McMillan at McMillan underscore Curtis really don't think was bad blocking. I think Ingram is that good. Am I Peters and Mitchell combo? Once again, I agree with the Peters and Mitchell combo. Love it. Um, with the Ingram, uh, comment, I feel half and half on that. I feel that, yes, Ingram is a very good pass rusher, and I think he gets forgotten about a lot of times. Um, he's not one of those guys that you hear a lot about um, on NFL Network or anything like that. Um, but very good pass rusher. But at the same time, I feel like the offensive line has just really struggled. And we saw too many times where Kelsey and Schwartz or Schwartz or Kelsey, whatever combo you want to come up with, Completely failed to even get a hand on Ingram. Just bad bad assignments and miscommunication. And so I think there's a little bit to say for both sides of that. But it's definitely something that I do recognize him. I do uh, have a lot of respect for Ingram. But the offensive line does need to take a step forward. So... That is all I got for you guys today. Uh, I'll probably do another episode on Thursday before the Red Friday episode again. And uh, if you guys have any more questions or comments that you want to hear answered or talked about on the podcast, please let me know. You can uh, find me on Twitter at StephanNFL. You can always, um, if if you're friends with me on Facebook, you can go there, message me, let me know, or, you know, hit me up on the phone. Um, but you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. If it's not on wherever you, the app that you use, let me know. I will get it on there. Um, you can also find my work over on Arrowhead Addict. Um, but the, the podcast is over on Blog Talk Radio and I'm going to start posting the Blog Talk Radio, uh, link on Twitter instead of the iTunes to see if that helps some of you guys. Um, but Let me know what you guys think. Um, Thursday, we will probably be talking a little bit about the AFC West race again. Uh, We'll be talking about, you know, where the Chiefs 
matchup in the AFC in general and how the rest of the AFC looks or NFL looks. But we'll also take a little bit deeper dive uh, for a little bit into this game once I've watched some All-22 film and get some better angles on some of that stuff. And hopefully I'll be doing a couple uh, player analysis, I guess, or film reviews this week over on Arrowhead Addict. So be sure to check those out. Go over and check out my episode that came out on Monday after the game. And let me know what you guys think and hit me up with those comments and tweets and all that stuff. And I will try and get you guys on here again. So have a good one and I will talk to you guys Thursday. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.